So if you remember last week, I started talking to you about these expressions of God's dwelling places on the earth. And there's seven of them. There's seven. In the Bible, there's seven. I'll read them to you real quick. Number one is Bethel. That was the first house of God where Jacob had his dream of Jacob's ladder. The second one is Tabernacle of Moses. The third one is David's Tabernacle. The fourth one is Solomon's Temple. The fifth one is the rebuilt temple. The sixth one is the best one is the Emmanuel, Jesus himself, walking on the earth. And the seventh one is what? Us. Come on, y'all got that. So why is this important, okay? This This is remarkably important for us. Because it tells us, because Becky said this morning, uh, will you be a sanctuary? Okay? A, a sanctuary is a dwelling place. It's the dwelling. Will you be that? Will you be a place where I live? And so when you begin to look in the Scriptures at these different dwelling places of God, it reveals what, how, what God's house is like, how He wants His house to be. And, um, you know, like for instance... You know, for a few years we've been talking about all of us are open heavens. Okay, well, if you were a really clever person, you would say, where is that in the Bible? Not in a persnickety way, but in a hungry way. Like, show me that in the Bible. It's right there at the very beginning. When I read it to you last night, Bethel, this place is a gate of heaven. It's none other than the house of God. That was God's original intent and original design for the church to be a gate of heaven and for every person individually to be a gate of heaven. And so we should be able to carry that gate of heaven around everywhere because that was God's intention and design. And we can lay hold of that for our lives because that's what He meant for it to be. So that's why I think this is such a powerful uh, thing to think about and listen to. And... When you begin to look at these different expressions, you find this, there's common traits in all of them. There's a common themes and common things that happens. You know, last week I talked about, uh, you know, Bethel, the house of God. It was one silly little stone. That's all it was. It was one stone because it was a, such a simple house because there weren't many people around for that house. Like at that moment, it was just one man, Jacob. You know, and that man made that house a house. And that sort of speaks to us today. You know, each one of us are a stone. But then this week, hey, praise the Lord, there's, there's a more complex mobile home that we're, it's called the Tabernacle of Moses. And uh, it's a, it became a little bit more complex because suddenly you have two million people versus one person. And so God built a, another house, a different house, to be able to allow those, all those people inter- to interact with them. So I wanted to read a little bit how, leading up to this tabernacle of Moses. It's in Exodus 24. I'm going to read verse 9 through 12 and 16 through 18. I'm having this res- hard temptation to ask you if you were okay, but I'm not. <laughs> Becky said don't, and Donna said she was fine. <laughs> and you're getting this. That's what I don't like about preaching. <laughs> Anyways, listen to this. This is before. Then Moses went up. This is, cra- this is one of the craziest things in the world. Then Moses went up. Also Aaron, Nadab, Nadab and Abihu. I guess that's how you say that. Something like that. Abihu. 
and seventy of the elders of Israel. Listen, and they saw the God of Israel. They saw God. Moses and these guys, and they, it's what it says, they saw God. Can you, yes, Moses. They saw God, the God of Israel. Okay? And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. It was like the very heavens in its clarity. They saw this floor under God. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he being God, did not lay his hands. And this is the crazy thing. So they saw God and they ate and drank. Think about it. These people saw God Almighty and then what did they do? Let's have a meal. Isn't it interesting that in the Bible, God and meals seem to go together? They really do. I mean, God shows up at meals. Huh? Feasting. I've been talking about fasting a lot, you know. I, there is the fasting. Well, there's the fasting crowd, okay? And there's the feasting crowd. <laughs> I believe everybody should partake in both of those crowds from time to time when you fast, Jesus said. But Jesus also was into eating. Notice he would eat with people a lot. I thought that was just interesting, but they saw him. So this is the number one, the first thing. You're going to find this common thing. God reveals his house. There's always an encounter or a visitation before his house is revealed. Jacob had a dream. Okay? He had this dream, and he got this revelation out of this dream about the house of God. These guys went up and saw God. And then the things that follow, if you read on, he began to talk about this, this house. All right, let's, are y'all following this? This is important. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you the tablets of stone and the law and commandments, which I have written, 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 that you may teach them. Okay, so that was Moses went up. That was when he went up and been, was with the Lord for 40 days up there in the mountains with the Lord. And the Lord gave him the Ten Commandments. Remember all that? And then also during that time, the Lord gave him the blueprints for the tabernacle of Moses. So you see, I said there's this visitation that happens. And then, begot, then God begins to reveal his plans for his house. Now the, now, the glory of the Lord rested on... Well, let me just go ahead and say this. In the New Testament, and this is, the, this is powerful. In the New Testament, in Matthew 16, Jesus asked the disciples a question. He says, who do men say I am? And some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets, John, one of the prophets. And, but Jesus said, but no, but who do you say I am? He, and Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said... Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And then he said three important things. Okay, see, see, Peter had a revelation of God himself. Okay, and then what followed that revelation? First, one, you're Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. You are Peter. In other words, he spoke his identity. This is who you really are. That was the first thing he said to him. Second thing he said, and on this revelation, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. See, there was a revelation of his house. And the third thing he said to him, and I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. And so that's how God works. See, God first reveals himself to us. Then we begin to understand our identity, because you can't understand your identity apart, apart from God. And then a fresh revelation of God leads to a fresh revelation of his house. 
Are y'all following that? This is profoundly important. And then this whole thing about the keys of the kingdom of being there to bind and to loose and to speak, you know, and to, to hold back. God releases to people. Isn't that powerful? And so you see that pattern over and over in every one of these houses that God builds in the earth, that He's built in the earth, is there was always this revelation of Himself. And see, God wants to reveal Himself. All right, now verse 16. Um, now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it, covered it six days. And on the seventh day He called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. Listen to this. In the eyes of the children of Israel. Okay? In their eyes, what they saw was a consuming fire. That's what the glory looked like to them. But in Moses' eyes, he saw something completely different. He just saw a cloud. Now, that's really important because, you see, if you begin to really look at People see the glory of the Lord in different ways. Okay? Moses saw it as a cloud. They saw it as a fire to be, that was burning and that were afraid of it. And so that's always going to be the human response. We're either going to see it for where it really is because it was really a cloud of His presence that was sitting there because it says Moses saw it as a cloud and Moses went into that cloud. God saw it as a cloud. He didn't want it to be a consuming fire that people would be afraid of. But because they saw that like that, that's what it became to them. It's really the truth. It really is the truth. And so Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. The elders and Aaron and sons, along with Moses and Joshua, they said it again, ate in the presence of the Lord. That's crazy, isn't it? You know, while they were up there... Well, he said it twice. I don't really understand why they said that twice, but I guess he wanted them to know that they ate. Okay? So here's the, the thing about this. Um, if you go back and study mankind's history and you go back and study moves of God, that's the way it is. Some people see the move of God as being crazy. Okay? And some people see it as being glorious. Now, that has happened over and over in history. Is Whenever God moves, a lot of people reject the move of the Lord because it just seems crazy to them. It doesn't fit. When God reveals Himself, it doesn't fit how people think it should be. Are y'all following that? And so it's really important for us to really be able to have eyes to see things for what they really are, what they truly are. Okay, when Jesus came to the earth, he was totally rejected. And he was the, like, the ultimate move of God. And he was totally rejected by most people. Very few people could really see with real eyes for what was really happening before them. And you see that in revivals and moves of God over and over and over. Over and over and over. All through church history. It's just the way, it's the nature of man. And so I believe what the Lord wants us to do is give us eyes to really see him. For what he really is and what he's really doing. Because as long as we look at it through our human eyes, we are going to miss God over and over and over every time. There's just no way. Hey, did y'all notice that the squires were here today, minus Andy? And y'all can tell your daddy that y'all were clapping when we said minus Andy. <laughs> Not really. Okay. Are y'all all right? Yeah, right, I got to hurry up. Are y'all following this though? Are y'all getting this? This is so key, okay? 
Because God wants to reveal His, His house in the earth, and many people are going to miss it. We're just going to miss it because we're going to look at it just like they miss it. We're going to think it's something bad, maybe. All right, let's read Exodus 25, 1 and 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. Now, remember last week, uh, Jacob offered an offering, to a tithe. He said, I'll tithe to you, Lord. Okay? He didn't, God didn't prompt him to do that. It was just in his heart. He was moved by God to do it. But here, because you've got two million people, God's initiated it. Okay, see the difference? God initiated it and said, I want y'all to give. You know, giving, and I said this last week, giving is really important to the Lord. Okay? But he, he noticed it, it said, who gives it willingly with his heart. You see, that's how God wants people to give. Like Jacob willingly offered to the Lord, I'm going to give you 10% of everything I've got. He was so moved by God. And then God takes up and says, I want people to give, but I want you to do it with your heart. I want you to do it willingly. I don't want you to give it to me begrudgingly. Because people who do things begrudgingly are, miss, are not really seeing something. They're missing the, the heart of the Father. And so God, and, and you study every one of these houses of God, every single one of them in the Bible, there's something about giving that God brings into the picture. Everybody's gotten really quiet now. But I really believe God wants to give a, for us to have a revelation on giving. But the way we get a revelation on giving is getting a revelation of, of Him. Where when we see Him and see how glorious He is, then giving is nothing. Giving is nothing. Because we think, we'll give you everything, Lord. We'll give you all we got. Because you're worth all of that. Instead of having this issue... You know, where there's an argument about giving and about how much and about, you know, all these things that people do. You know, lots of people have come to our church and, you know, one of the discussions they wanted to have with me was about tithing. I just don't, I won't do it. You know, if you've got to have that discussion, you're talking to the wrong person. You know, if our, if our hearts are so wrapped up about stuff like that, then, you know, we're missing something. You know, when we begin to see God, we don't give a rip. We just want to give to Him. You know, our generosity flows out of us. You know, Paul said that in, uh, in the New Testament when he was talking to them about giving. He called it a gracious gift. I think it's really important for us to see whenever God begins to reveal His house, He begins to talk to us also about, about givings. And I've done talking to you about givings two times in a row. And then in verse 8, uh, Exodus 25, verse 8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. See, that's God's ultimate thing. Is I, I just want to be with y'all. I want to live with y'all. In fact, this is what Jesus said in, in, in John 14. He said, I'm going to go and build a house somewhere else and get you and take you to be with me right there because I want you to be with me. You see, that's the Father's heart. He wants to be with us. He's hungry to be with us. We're begging God to come, you know, and I don't know that we should be begging Him to come. I, I like to ask God to come. I like to recognize, like, you're the Lord. I'm going to ask you. But the truth is, He wants to be with us more than we want to be with Him. And that's what His house is all about. It's about God living with us and walking around amongst us. 
And so he built this tabernacle of Moses, and it was a just intricate thing, and it was all about being with him. And I told you last week that they put, it was, I think, a few tons of silver and gold in this thing. So this thing was not easy to move around. It was a mobile home that weighed tons. And people had, it didn't have wheels on it. They had to carry this thing. And they had a certain type of priest that could pack it up and carry it. Nobody else could do that. It was just a certain group of people that God appointed to pack, pack up the ark and pack up all the things and carry them. But if you went back, if you went through, I think the youth probably could do this, and give a teaching on all the furniture that was in the tabernacle of Moses, it was all about living with God. That's what every furniture represented something, how we live with God and how He wants to live with us. It's a powerful, it's a powerful picture of God being with mankind and His hungry heart to be with us. And I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again, I was watching that television show where they were showing this beautiful home. And I had this little moment where I saw the Father's house, His house, His home. And I saw the futility of beautiful homes in the natural versus the glory of His house. And there's nothing wrong with natural homes. in the But when we begin to see a revelation of His house, then all these earthly things all of a sudden become really like, you know, that's not that great. Because it's all going to fade away and fall down. He's got something greater and He's desiring to re- reveal that to every human being. And God is looking for places on the earth where every human being on the earth can come into that house. I, am, I tell you, I'm totally sold on that revelation. I'm, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life pursuing that revelation because God's going to build a house, houses in the earth all over the planet, His houses, where people can come and experience Him and know Him and be close to Him. That's what He desires. That's why He had all these houses in the Bible to try to get to us. And you know what? When you study the Bible as a whole, you see everything centers around those houses. You know, everything centered around that revelation of Bethel, the house of God. And then all of a sudden it shifted this other, the tabernacle of Moses. Their whole thing was around that tabernacle. Their whole lives were centered around that tabernacle. And when that cloud moved and that tabernacle started moving, you know, really what he was trying to do, what Moses experienced on Mount Sinai, he was just trying to get it down there with them, to be right down there. Instead of going up on some mountaintop, I'm going to put it down here where you're at. All right, let me, I know I'm, I'm right, one more minute. All right, now. So that's what the money's all about. It's, the money's all about that. Y'all, y'all understand that? That's what the money's all about. It's about His house. It's about His glory. And He's just saying, hey, I just want you to participate in it with me. That's all I'm doing. I'm just letting you get in on something. You know? I'm letting you be a part of what I'm doing. And He does sort of like, Maya's word, you know, do your part kind of thing. But this is interesting. Okay. He said, let them make me, verse 8, a sanctuary. That's a holy place. The Hebrew word is M-I-S-H-K-A-N. Okay. Mishkin. Okay, that's a holy place, a Mishkin. And so a place that I can shakan with them, S-H-A, 
S-H-U-K-A-N. Live among them. Shukan. Anybody know anybody who uses emails at Shukan? Yeah. <laughs> I said, what? what's this Shukan stuff, Lord? Shukan. I thought that was your name or something. But it, oh, your horse? Okay. Well, she didn't know. Did you know this? Did you know it meant God living with us? That's pretty good. That's pretty prophetic. That's where you get the term Shekinah glory. <laughs> really? Shekinah, Shekinah glory. That's the weighty presence of God. And that's really what God wanted to bring into the, into the earth, into the church, into each one of us, the Shekinah, the heavy manifest presence, glorious presence. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And see, that's what, God is, that's what the houses of God are about. That's what it's all about. It's about His glorious presence coming. Jesus said that. I, I'm going to manifest myself to you. I'm going to manifest my presence to you. And people will stand afar like the children of Israel did and say, that's a bad thing up there. That is a really a bad fire that we shouldn't have anything to do with. We can't even go near that. But Moses will say, no, you're not seeing it. You're not seeing what's really going on here. This is the glory of God. But because you're looking through these natural, human, religious eyes, you're seeing something bad, and it's going to become that to you. And instead of entering into the cloud of His presence, you back away from the cloud of His presence. Somebody was talking to me, they came Wednesday night, and we were talking about somebody they said, and they said, well, they ain't going to come back to this church today. They think you're two out there on the edge. I said, what do you mean out there on the edge? And they said, you know, you're way out there. I said, Bull, we're nowhere out there. The edge is way out there. We haven't gotten nowhere near the edge. But that's a human way of thinking. Man has developed a standard and says, this is the edge. And we're saying, that's not the edge. If this is the edge, we're doomed. We don't have anything. There's a lot more that God has to give us. There's a lot more of His presence to be manifested. And I said, well, they can think that all day long, but I'm not living on the edge. But I tell you what, I want to live on the edge. I want to go out there and find the edge. If there's an edge, if there's an edge, I want to find it. And if I fall off of it, then I'll be happy because I know I'll be falling on Christ, right? And see, that's really what His house is. We should be on the edge because He's on the edge. And I'm not saying being crazy. I'm just saying being in His presence. And let His presence come. Because in the end days that we're beginning to live in, the glorious presence is going to be the thing that the, the nations are going to stream to. In fact, when Jesus lives in Jerusalem, He says all the nations will come. And if they don't come, if they don't come, they're going to be struck. And you better believe it, we're going to pile, we're going to pack our stuff and go. If I knew Jesus was living in Jerusalem right now, I would be doing everything I could. Please let me be there. You're going to have to tell me to stay here. And so that's really what He has for us. That's the dream. That's the vision. It's for us to be those kind of people. That was always, that was always God's heart, just to be with us. Just to come into His living room. Where we just see Him and be with Him. And, get, and enjoy His presence because He, he wants us. He wants us. In the parable of the prodigal son, he didn't wait for the son to get home. When he saw him, that dim, distant little ant looking way out in the future, he ran to him. That's what the father's like. 
Why did he run to him? Because he loved him and wanted to embrace him and said, look, you've got to come home now. You've got to get back in the house. And that's what he wants in the church. He wants us to know, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. I want you. I want you to experience my presence. I want you to experience everything I have. I really believe this. I believe in the manifest presence of God. I believe in God's visible glory coming. I believe that's going to happen. That's the goal. That's the dream. And it really, we're begging out, we're talking about, it's like this has been the golden dream of our entire Christian life that we've made a mess of 48 times. You know? But we're believing before we leave this earth, we are going to be in a place where the presence rests and lives constantly. We're believing for that. And, and no, matter, no, matter all, no matter what failures we have, no matter who messed something up, we're saying, you know what, we're just going to get up and we're going to keep going after that. Because there's nothing else to go after. There's nothing else to go after. That's what God wants. So we're praying for a revelation of the Father's glory. I'm praying for every person in this room that you get a revelation, an impartation of how awesome God is and His awesome desire to live with you, for, for you to be there with Him. And when it's over with here, we get to go there and be with Him. See, he is, he will, we will never be away from God. That's His desire. Ne- never, ever. While we're here, He wants us to be here. And when we go there, He wants us to be with Him. He never wants us to be separated from Him. And when you begin to start believing that, and start living for that, then things could change in your life. Here's one thing you need to do. You need to quit entertaining negative thoughts. Okay? You need to quit thinking about living out in the what-if land. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're praying for your friend who's in bad shape, and your mind starts going to the negative. You can't, you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going there. You know what? I don't even want to live. I'm not living out there. I'm not going to live in a what-if. Lord, I'm going to put my hope in You. I'm going to put my trust in You. I'm going to believe in You. That's all I've got. I'm, I'm, why am I going to sit around and make myself miserable worrying and fretting over something? I'm just, going, you know, I'm just going to block that out of my mind. I think the Bible calls it taking every thought captive. It's kind of the spiritual way. I just say, I just block it out. Well, what do you do about that? Well, I don't even think about that. What are you going to do if this happens? I'm not thinking about that because I just don't think i got time to think about that. I think the only thing I can keep in my mind right now is whatever the Father, it's His joy, it's His love, that I'm righteous, that He loves me and He wants me. That's what I want to keep in my mind. I don't want to keep all the problems of the world in my mind because I can't fix them. But I can live a life of victory when I set my mind on things above. And I think, I just want to encourage you, you know, to, to, about your mind. I know we've done this 78, 90 hundred times, but, you know, yeah, every day, I mean, every day I'm doing it, is watch, pay attention to what you're thinking about, okay, and when it's negative, cast it out immediately, I'm going to tell you another thing, I know it's time to go, but here, here's the truth, okay, I don't know what people think, but I do know this, demons are real, and demons will visit you, okay, Demons will come into your life based on what you're thinking. 
Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, I've seen demons. They're dark, they're ugly, and they're hateful. And what they will do, if you allow them, they will come into your heart, they will come into your life, they will come into your bedroom, they will come into your secret places in your house. It's a darkness that will come. And many people don't realize this. They don't realize they're walking around with demonic influences. I'm talking about Christians. With demonic influences in their life. Okay? I'm telling you this because I had this demon visit me the other night, in, in the middle of the night. And I saw this dark thing come next to me. And I knew I had a decision to make right then. Here's what my decision was this. You know what? I'm rejecting It was false. I'm rejecting you. You, you don't belong in my life. You don't belong in my life. But you know what? That demon's a familiar spirit. I've known about that demon all my life, and now I really know about it because God's revealed him to me. And see, some people, you're so familiar with that demonic presence in your life that you don't even know you have a demonic presence in your life unless the Holy Spirit has mercy on you and reveals it to you, and then you begin to make decisions in your life based on that presence. I got really quiet. <laughs> but see, that's what the Father wants to do for us. He wants to set us free from all that. That's why I was saying that about that Chloe, baby. When I was reading about David's family, I was crushed about how tragic, like rape, murder, going on in a family of one of the greatest men here on the earth. And you know what? That's the way the family of God is. And it's because there's these wounds in us that haven't been healed. And the Father wants to heal hearts so He can create a whole a wholeness. And His house could be a house of wholeness. And people from the world could come into that house. I mean, literally, people in the world could come out of that house and find wholeness, find their hearts fixed so they could, you know, live with their family right. That's what the Father wants to do. That's why He wants to build houses on the earth. is to create health and probably wealth too, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, so other people can talk about the I'm not good on the wealth revelation realm. <laughs> I wouldn't mind being that. Like, give me some revelation in the wealth realm, Lord. <laughs> I do have revelation on the health realm. Transfer of wealth. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Lord. So I want to pray for a minute, okay? Is that okay? Yeah. I want to pray that the Lord would open your eyes, number one, to Him. You know. Well, why don't you share that first, Shekan? No. <laughs> yeah, my email address is Shekana, Shekana Gloria. I spell it Shekan. But just a quick testimony. This is not to glorify me, but it's to glorify the Lord. For those who don't know me, I got saved when I was 23. I've, I've been, I was married before that, but uh, I've been coming here for a long time. Got saved when I was 23. I'm almost 30 years ago, and I've been coming into church without my husband. But my husband loves me so much, and the other day he was telling me that. And he said, there's just something about you. He said, there's a light around you. 
And he was just telling me how much he loves me. So anybody that's struggling, it's, I'm not perfect. But it's that light of the Lord that's drawing and that's wooing. And it really released me. I was released a few years ago from having to do anything to get my husband saved. But as you walk in the love of the Father and get a revelation of that love, there's something that comes up. It's this Holy Spirit that comes up from the inside out. And I just encourage you guys. You know what? Like I said, I am not perfect and I'll fall short. But it's the glory of the Lord. The Lord wants to release this glory in us that when we're around unbelievers, when we're at a workplace, it's like, I can't do this anymore, that the glory of the Lord would rise up so just grab hold of the glory of the lord today and let him release that glory through you and let just let it emanate from you and just let it come forth through you and just receive that glory of the lord it's not about what you do but it's about who he is in you that's good ronna stay up here you know what that's how we are able to know about those familiar spirits because light has come and light exposes the darkness. That's what happens. Light has come. And the Bible says that men loved the darkness more than the light. But we're not those men. We are people who love the Lord and Amen. love His light. Amen. Amen. We love the Lord. We love the Lord. We are, we are excited about the Lord. We love the Lord. We will do... You know what? It's because He loved us. I'll go ahead and say that, but I'll tell you this. We will do whatever God wants us to do because we love Him. Not because we have to do anything, but because we love the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love Becky a lot. I'm a loving guy. I'm a lover, really. I really love the Lord, though. I mean, the Lord knows I love Him. I tell Him all the time, Lord, I really love you. I, I just love you so much, Lord. And sometimes the Lord said, well, won't you do this then? Because I would like for you to do this. Okay, I wish I didn't tell you I loved you now, Lord. But I guess I do still love you, though. But I will do what you told me to do. Okay? But the light has come. The glory of the Lord is coming. And darkness has to flee. And so when you, you begin to love on God and, and have His love working in your life, you'll start seeing those familiar spirits. You'll start seeing demons. And you start with your own demons, the ones that come to you and want to talk to you and mess with you and pull you down and get you enslaved, you know, in your heart and your mind. Okay? And then you can help other people get, get rid of their old ugly demons. And then, you know, like Rhonda was saying, that's a great testimony, isn't it? Uh, she kept saying, I ain't perfect, but she has something on her that her husband sees. And he likes what he sees. People in the world like what they see. When they're going to see the glory, they're going to like it. Some's going to recall at it, but some of them's going to like it. And they're going to want to know. They want, they're going to reach out for that glory. Okay? The glory that set me free. So I'm praying, Father, this is what we want. Now listen, Lord, we're saying this. At least I am. I think a couple other people in here at least are saying, I want you, Lord. I want your glory. I want this manifest presence. I'm not interested in all the other stuff. I'm interested in you. That's what I'm going for, Lord. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a house of prayer. I want to be those things. Yeah. I want to see the glory come on me more and more. The light of heaven shine down. I want to see that. I want to experience that. I want to live there. I want to live in your house. David said, I'll be a doorkeeper if I can just get in the house. That's what I'll do. I'll clean the commodes in your house 
if I could just be there with you. I don't have to do all the other stuff. But if I could just be with you, I'm as happy as a pig in slop. If I could just be with you, Lord, because you are the difference maker. And I pray your light would come on people. And Lord, I pray that demons would have to flee when we agree with your light. They would have to go on and get out of the house. And they'd find out they're not welcome there anymore. Because somebody else came. It was your glory. And I pray that. I pray for everybody in this room that their eyes would be open to see your glory. To see the beauty of the Lord. And it would capture our hearts. And it would grow in us. And grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And we would spend our days thinking about your beauty, Lord. And enjoying your beauty, Lord. And if people see that beauty, they would be attracted to it.